For Christmas, my father sent me a framed poem by an unknown author called The Woman in the Glass. When you get what you want in your struggle for self and the world makes you queen for a day, just go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what the woman has to say. For it isn't your father or mother or spouse whose judgment upon you must pass. The person whose verdict counts the most in your life is the one staring back from the glass. She's the person to please, never mind all the rest, for she's with you clear to the end. And you've passed your most dangerous, difficult test if the gal in the glass is your friend. You may fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass, but your final reward will be heartache and tears if you cheated the one in the glass. The phrasing in the poem, I think, helped to make it more personable and connecting, especially now. It made me want to look for myself at the woman in my mirror and I realized something. I did not recognize her. I mean, she kind of looks like me, but there's something off. Her eyes that used to shine like diamonds, they look faded and dull. Like that black pair of leggings you love after 20 or so runs through the washer. 30 plus years on this marble has worn them and dulled their shine. Experience and anxiety took their luster. My skin, a point of pride my whole life that I've always had a smooth cocoa butter brown complexion, but now look tired, worn, scarred by stress. Cortisol levels on a million, tightness in my shoulders, and a look of just defeat. When you're a child and the world is so brand new to you, everything is amazing because it's happening for the first time. You don't have a care in the world because no one looks at you to maintain or to provide anything. You're stress-free because you're growing and when all is right in the world, there are people there that are there to protect and provide for you. If you're lucky, they're also going to protect your image and your perspective on yourself. Your dad may call you princess and tell you you're the most beautiful girl in the world. Your mom may refer to you as her little mini-me and the most beautiful thing that she has ever seen. But for a black girl, even with the most positive and praising home life, once she crosses the threshold into the world, tends to remind us that we are the most undesirable creatures on the face of the planet. While the girl in the mirror is crystal clear to her, for everyone else, they get the dirty pond water reflection of her own image. I am what some affectionately might call an elder millennial. I was born in the late 80s, meaning that my formative years were at their peak during the early 90s. And growing up as a black girl in the 90s in the Midwest, aside from the girl in the mirror, there wasn't much of anyone that looked like me in front of the black mirror. I had the pick of sister, sister, smart guy, Kenan and Kel, Moesha, Family Matters, and maybe one or two other shows that centered on black characters and were family friendly. Of these limited options, not too many of them actually included girls that looked like me. And these are not necessarily things that you notice with the full awareness that this can have a subconscious effect on your own self-image at a young age. But even in my younger adolescence age, I was aware that I, by way of my melanin, was tolerated. I was acknowledged to exist in media by virtue of a problematic system correcting itself. In the 90s, affirmative action was a hot button issue again for maybe the second time at that point. And there was a growing discussion for Hollywood to put in more of an effort to try to placate audiences who were pressuring more diversity in film and television. Their solution to the centuries old problem of white being the only default on screen? Tokenism. 
That's right. For every child and teen film and show that came out, there was now to be a black character. They didn't typically speak or have a backstory or even a name a lot of the time. And most of the time, they're only there to either serve as a mentor for their white counterpart's main character to grow and develop more as a fully complex character. Or a sounding board and support net there to provide sassy comments and a neck roll or two for comedic effect. God bless you if it was a horror movie and they lasted longer than 10 minutes. And of course, there's the ever popular Magical Negro that purposefully uses their black magic to help aid and motivate every character around them but them. But they were there and we celebrated in the streets throwing confetti because we had finally solved racism. Yay us. But it didn't help. As a young girl in the 90s watching Zelda Harris in the background of the Babysitter's Club, wondering why the only black babysitter maybe says 10 lines in the whole movie? Or getting attached to Gabrielle Union in every teen movie as the only black teen actress that was available in Hollywood apparently? So when the only time growing up you see people that look like you on television or in film, they're on drugs, backing that ass up, tricking, singing old Negro spirituals in the cotton fields of Dixieland, or being a literal walking, talking stereotype, always with an attitude, intentionally overbearing demeanor, and all the neck rolls, ebonics, and hand waving that you could ask for. It's hard to imagine yourself in any type of way other than that. And it isn't just what you see of yourself. This is what the world sees about you as well. And you don't learn until later that people see you how they see you. There was none more a daunting task than finding the token black girl anywhere you look. It's like a Hollywood where's Keisha. Hollywood's astroturf way of pandering to the growing cry of racism and lack of diversity was to pluck a random black girl, which usually was represented by the fairest complected of us, you know, to be more palatable for a wider audience and give her no reason to be there, but to quiet the ACLU cries of inclusion. So now we have black girls with about 2% of total media placement and 95% of that is slave movies, crime dramas, and BET after dark music videos, where we are demanded to be face down, ass up, on our knees, and the remaining 5% is silent. Nothing darker than a brown paper bag, diversity hires, who may as well be a tree in the foreground. For those girls, what is their perception of themselves? What is the world's perception of them? With no input and no control over my own image, I was the Isha, the gum-smacking, loud-talking, ghetto, fast-twerking, neck-rolling, ready-to-fight hood chick with a bad attitude and daddy issues. I was fighting a costume that I didn't even know that I was wearing. And you realize it very quickly. As a black girl, I was well aware how the world saw me and how limited others viewed my presence in this world. For me, I learned this lesson around fifth grade. I'd held on to my collection of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sheets for so long that Raphael was slowly fading into the oblivion. It was time for a refresh and I was hitting the first double digit birthday of my life. With this ever approaching milestone, I was allowed a full room change. I was born into a room of purple butterflies and flowers and was upgraded to turtles around second grade due to my abnormal obsession with pizza eating reptiles. And now I was entering into my first chance to choose how my space looked. I mulled over this agonizing choice for weeks. And at this point in my life, there were some very high quality contenders. I did love the Little Mermaid and I could see myself living a life under the sea. I was also partial to Aladdin, and I could see my room being a whole new world. 
And there was also the Lion King. I mean, those cute little lion cubs and bright orange and red color scheme squares. They just screamed Hakuna Matata. This was my very first independent decorating opportunity. And safe to say that it was a tight race and the competition was steep. But suddenly there was a ram in the bush. In the midst of my afternoon routine of Flaming Hot Cheetos and cartoons, Sailor Moon, there was a commercial. And that commercial was announcing that Barbie sheets were here and they were available in my local Kmart. My brain was on firecracker mode because not only were the Barbie sheets perfect for my introduction into an adolescent bedroom, but there was also a black girl version. This was crucial. Getting to have the melanated version of any popular toy did something to your spirit as a black girl. Or in today's vernacular, the shit hit different. As Hollywood was trying to pretend as if they cared about diversity and inclusion, so went the private commerce businesses as they realized something that really should have been obvious to any brain functioning adult looking to make money. Black children like toys too. Imagine that. Not only that, but they had parents with income to spend on toys for their black children. It was mind blowing. This led to what I affectionately call the token toy rule. For every new doll released and on shelves, each store would always have a few of the black versions tucked away in the back. And luckily, I had a mother that understood the assignment. For weeks, we bounced from Kmart to Kmart all around the state searching for the black Barbie sheets. And each time we were greeted with rows and rows of Barbie sheets, none of which were what we were looking for. Employees greeted us with a smile and an offer to help us find what we were looking for. A smile that always changed to a burdensome look of sadness when they were tasked with telling us that they only had two to three that came in stock and they were already gone. The other black parents were looking to give their daughters the same representation and we were all fighting each other on the battlefield of inclusion. Even the stores in our neighborhood where I was surrounded by people that looked like me did not carry a supply indicative of the community that it was placed in to serve. The miles put on the family car driving from one store to another were endless. The search for Black Barbie became an epic quest comparable to Daenerys Targaryen's journey to the Iron Throne. And just like Daenerys, our journey too was fruitless. Defeated, we retreated back home and I understood at that moment that it wasn't important if I was able to participate in some aspects of society. That my image was considered other. That the societal iconic toy that Barbie was to little girls did not belong to little girls like me. And it never will. My image was that of struggle, hardship, sexualization, unkempt, unintelligence, and suspicion. And no more. Every black girl has some sort of realization of otherness at one point. The moment becomes a rite of passage for us and with it, a deep seated nagging frustration in the back of your mind. Why am I, as I am, not good enough? And because hindsight is always 2020, you learn. People see you how they see you. And for black women, our relationship with our own image and public perception is a toxic and abusive one. While we're in a renaissance of a new growing landscape of more melanated positive depictions, we still have a long way to go. I did finally get my black Barbie sheets, however. 
I learned later that my mom found them on the shelves in another state, determined for her daughter to have an opportunity to see herself in the simplest way possible. And while it is easy to remain cynical that this world, at least in my lifetime, will never fully embrace or appreciate a fully complex and layered black girl perspective of any shade, never forget about the black girl that you do know, the girl in the glass. Receive. Thank you for listening to a new chapter of Volume 1, Amethyst, The Female Experience from the Libra Saga, an episodic collection of stories, words, poetry, and content centered on each intersectional plane of the human experience from one Libra's perspective. Follow her story through joy, pain, heartache, and drama, each story curated to create a layered timeline of emotions, words, and actions. It may get messy, but it always stays entertaining. Check out the blog at MickeyJKing.com to follow the story from the beginning, sign up for the monthly newsletter so you know what's coming next, and to become a member on Patreon to help keep the story going. I hope you enjoyed this newest installment. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and share with anyone who can or should receive. I'm Mickey, and until next time, it's just me, my melanin, and a mic. Bye! <laughs>